Oh, 100%. I mean, to give you an idea, I have a, I have a whiteboard here in my living room. I mean, uh, before end of this year, then into 2022. Um, five mil, asset center management for my company. Um, and then into next year, uh, hopefully 100 million. You're listening to the Next Generation Podcast. Weekly interviews with the most interesting and successful 20-somethings out there. If you've been listening to our podcast a bit, then you know how hard it can be to go and find good talent, especially when you're just starting off. You don't actually have the reputation of a world-class founder. I mean, you're just in your 20s. And so today's sponsor, Lemon.io, can actually take care of all of that for you. Lemon.io is actually a marketplace of engineers over in Europe, and they test and interview every single developer so that way you know that the candidate that you're hiring is going to be able to complete your job successfully more so than some of those other platforms like Fiverr or Upwork. Lemon.io is a perfect solution if you have a project with specific needs but you don't have the skill in your team or you're just growing super fast and you need to add developers quickly. And they'll match you with a candidate in the first 48 hours. So if you want to go and start one of these micro SaaS businesses, like you see selling on MicroWire all the time, but you don't exactly have the technical chops to do it, now you can go and do that right away and get a developer fast. So if you could use a full-time or even a part-time developer to run projects faster and you have an idea in mind, go to Lemon.io and you'll receive a 15% off discount for the first four weeks of work with your developer. Just head on over to lemon.io slash TNGP. Again, that's lemon.io slash TNGP, like the next generation podcast. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in the podcast today. We've got on Liam Kircher, and I want to make sure I'm saying your last name right. It's Kircher? Yeah, it's Kircher, yeah. Right on, man. Liam, what's going on? Good. How are you? Doing well. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. I know it's been a lot of back and forth in the Twitter DMs and the Twitter sphere. And now we're looking to go and get you on and get all the behind the scenes secrets of uh, your businesses, what you're working on today, um, and really like what your plans are for the next couple of months, years, decades, pretty much everything in between. Um, so I want to kick things off. And this is honestly like a, a tough question in the beginning. So we usually don't get like this into it right away. But I have a feeling you're going to come here and just bring the heat today. So Last week we were chatting, we were in Twitter DMs and like, I love chatting with people about like what their money goals are and how much they're trying to make and like all this kind of stuff. And like, we'll bleep this out later on if you don't want us to bring up this number. But I was like, dude, how much money are you trying to make? Like, just, just tell me this, which is a, I guess a weird question in the first place. And you threw out 3 million by 30. And like, I see you hustling on Twitter. I see you like, you, it looks like you quit your job like four months ago and you're five months ago and you're already doing like 50, 60K in like net income in August. So like clearly you're hustling out here and I'm like, okay, I think this guy is selling himself short. And right before this podcast, I go into go and prep again and I'm reading your bio and now I see 100 million in short term rentals, assets under management by 2023, two years from now. So I guess plain and simple, my question is like, what the fuck happened between like last week and right now? Uh, I would say you gave me a bit of a wake up call maybe. Um, it was kind of funny. I tweeted that out and, uh, yeah, like last week. Um, and I actually made a tweet like that before a little while ago. Um, and a lot of people kind of maybe got in my head. Um, I initially was thinking maybe my, maybe my goals are a little too, too big and too broad. Um, and I think, uh, I think I'm sort of underselling myself. Um, when I made that tweet, I, I think I definitely did span my horizons and you, um, I gotta give you credit. You opened my mind up a bit. Um, and I started really digging deeper and going through the numbers a bit. Um, and then I just sort of said, screw it. I'm going hundred million in two years. We're doing this. What does it look like right now? Right. hundred million in two years. Where are you at right now? Where's the money coming in from? How many manage, you know, tenants are you managing? What does that look like? So this is going to sound kind of silly now. <laughs> We're launching the short term rental business this month. <laughs> so that is very large goal, very large goal. But as far as like income coming in, my cleaning business is 100% of my income. So right now, I'll just start throwing numbers off the beginning here. It doesn't really bother me. Um, we're, we're doing right now just about 55K gross income uh, a month with the cleaning company. Net margin is about 30, 32%. Um, and that's just all in my pocket after that. So um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all my income. The, the idea for the short-term rental uh, management company came into effect this summer where uh, Basically, I just had an idea through cleaning a lot of these short-term rentals. Um, and yeah, now I've just sort of had these large goals with two other co-founders of mine. And we're just going to try to hit the pavement running and see what we can build. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you did 
you, I guess you started doing the cleaning business full time back in May, right? So just so I know I kind of jumped ahead of myself with the short term mm-hmm. rentals there. But for anyone listening who has no idea what you are, do whatever, like, give us a little background on how that even got started. Yeah, definitely. So um, I guess I'll just give a bit of a high over uh, high level review. Um, I went over um, born and raised Canadian. 25. I went over to the U.S., did four years of undergraduate. I grew up playing lacrosse, so um, I did go over and play NCAA, just Division II. Nothing too special. Um, after graduating college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, uh, like any college student. So I jumped right into the real estate game. I got my real estate license. I started working for Redfin, um, one of the best companies that I worked for. They were awesome. Did that for about a year, year and a half. While I was working as a realtor, um, I got the idea of wanting to start my own business. I just didn't know what it was. When I grew up, my parents used to own a commercial cleaning company. So I sort of had a hunch of what the industry was like. I had a background of how it operates, things like that. Now, I didn't want to do commercial because I was fully remote. Um, Thinking as far as when I was living over in Philadelphia. Sorry. Um, So I decided to launch a house cleaning company in Canada while I was working as a realtor in Philadelphia. uh, 100% remote. So... Um, I just sort of started it. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I just said, we're just going to figure it out as we go. Um, literally a year goes by my work visa, work visa ends. I get booted out of the U S. Um, I come back home and I just go full force into the cleaning company. Now, um, there's about a couple of months there where I went hundred percent into it. We were doing about 20 K a month gross, probably yeah, 20, 22 K a month gross. Um, and margins were a little bit lower, didn't really know what I was doing, didn't have systems in place, just was sort of winging it. I was the full operator of it. Um, and then I decided to get another job because I'm a crazy person um, and I wanted to make more money. So I started selling uh, property data for a startup uh, here in my local area, was selling property data as um, just an SDR working there. And then I was also running the cleaning company at the same time until this last May, I think it was, I can't keep track of time. Um, where I decided to then go full force in my cleaning company. Um, and then at the time it was scaling quite large and now we're here, we are, where we're doing about 50, 55 K. So, um, yeah. And then now we're transitioning to short-term rental. How did the other two co-founders get involved? Were they with you from the beginning? Did you realize you had too much on your plate? Did you bring them on when you wanted to start doing the short-term rental stuff or how did you find them and what do they do? Yeah, great question. So I'm a sole owner of the cleaning company um, and I'll forever be. As far as the two other co-founders, they're the um, one is a lifelong best friend. Um, and I'm sure people have a lot of uh, comments as far as if that's a good decision or not. Um, and then another one, actually funny enough, is my operations manager that used to work at my cleaning company. So she uh, is very familiar with the industry. Now, no sort of conflict of interest there. She is leaving the cleaning company and she's going to be focusing more onto this. Um, so that's literally how I came into contact with them too. Um, it's perfect. We've sort of, we're very transparent with each other. Um, and it's funny, I actually made a tweet a couple of days ago about co-founders, solo founders versus co-founders and it kind of triggered some people. Um, but it's, it's an interesting, wait, wait, wait. say, say what the tweet was for people who are listening right now that they don't follow you. <laughs> um, it was. Uh, solo founders and then over um, co-founders or sorry, co-founders over solo founders, my fault. So do um, I, if I, if I could chime in there for a second, 100% yeah, exactly. agree. And I've made some, I've said something similar in the past and you have all of these people who want all of this stress and responsibility on their plate to like, like freak out about this. My, my biggest take on it is honestly highs are way higher. You have someone to go to the party with and celebrate with and, and all that kind of stuff lows not as bad worst case scenario like everything goes to hell shit hits the fan and like it's not just you standing there like ah shit what do i do now like like if, like at the very least like at the very least it makes handling the emotional roller coaster a thousand times easier oh 100 i mean i've only been a co-founder and like for the past since september when we first like we haven't launched officially launched it but we've been working together obviously um and like i wouldn't have picked these people if i didn't if I wasn't confident, and yes, everyone says it's like you go into it confident, you don't know how it's going to end up in situations. I totally agree, but you could say that about life and anything. I mean, like, what are you going to sit around and be worried about everything forever? Like, you got to sort of make a risk and take jumps and then be confident in your decisions, in my opinion. 
So. Did you guys have like a contract or agreement? I know that a lot of people, like especially for people who have had bad business relationships in the past and like hire a family member or something like that, they always say like, hey, almost treat it like it's a marriage or like, like or, I don't know if you want to do like a prenup or something like that, like like have a way out. Like 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 talk about like, hey, if, if everything goes poorly, here's what we're going to go and do. Did you guys do that since this is your best friend? 100%. So we had a shareholders agreement in place, which we actually just finished uh, just over a week ago. Um, as well as one thing I really strongly recommend for anyone that's a co-founder is lay out the roles. Now, I don't say that this is something where you got to be like, okay, well, this is actually your piece of paper you have to sign, not me, blah, blah, blah. Like, obviously within reason, um, but it's good to have full transparency with the co-founders as far as who's doing what and whose responsibility is what. Now, it works out well with the people that I've partnered with because everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses. For example... I have um, taken lead on a lot of things, but also one of my best friends, he is someone that is on more side in the back end, trying to um, organize operations a little bit more where I've had this vision and I've sort of been putting a little bit pedal to the metal with things. Um, and then the third co-founder, the operations um, manager for my cleaning company, she's great with customer service and guests. So. Have you read Traction at all? I have, yeah, I love Traction. So is that is that your goal to kind of set it up in a implementation role and a visionary role and then funnel everything through that? 100%. Like I love Traction's amazing book and I recommend anyone that's a service business or I guess in any business really to read it. Um, I use the analogy of a lot of like you want to make it like a McDonald's or like you're trying to franchise the thing. So that's literally identical to what I'm trying to do. Another another really good one off off that note is the uh, the E myth. I don't know if you've read that one, but it's kind of similar in terms of, you know, the easy example of if you're a baker and you own a bakery, well, you probably shouldn't be actually the one baking. You got to figure out how to grow the bakery, and mm -hmm. just because you're a great baker doesn't mean you're going to be a great you know bakery owner. But gives, gives a great perspective on on how you kind of remove yourself and, and grow the business as a as a quick side note. No, hundred percent, hundred percent agree. I have to read that. I feel like just on that note a little bit more too, like. The big misconception that we were just chatting about the other day of like where a lot of people fuck up, especially with entrepreneurship, is you say, hey, I hate my job, like all this corporate stuff. I got to go leave. I want to start a business. And you start a business because you like are anti-organization and anti like hierarchy and like all that kind of stuff. And you're like, oh, wait, like there's a reason that there's like an org chart at Microsoft and that there's like middle managers between the middle managers and like some redundancy there, of course, but like, like you just quickly realize like, oh, you actually need systems, processes and management in place to, in order to go and actually get any of this stuff done. And so there's like kind of that aha moment that I think typically will go off in like an entrepreneur's or business owner's brain after just like months of being like, why is nothing working? On, on that note, I'm, I'm curious how you structure your time, right? Are you looking at all of these projects and going at them all at once? You separate them out by day or what is like a daily, a daily life of uh, Liam look like? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so right now it's a little hectic. Um, I'm trying my best to uh, re-delegate on the cleaning side of things. Um, but cleaning is really not my main focus. So um, I spend most of my day right now working on this short-term management company. Um, it's a lot of building out processes, getting things set up with automation. Um, and we, we can definitely dive into that type of stuff because I'm a huge geek about that stuff. Um, and as far as like, uh, I don't know, putting people in what net, what should the net steps be as far as with sales, what's the course of action, getting marketing out there. So I'm full fledged in my time towards that, um, as well as trying to build a media presence on Twitter and things like that. So those are my two main focuses. Um, but up until now, up until that point, um, a lot of my time was spent with the cleaning company where, um, I was trying to, we have about 22, 23 contractors on staff. Uh, we have two virtual assistants um, and then we have, uh, we had Danielle, which is my co-founder now, but she was an operations manager in place at the time. So it was one of those things um, where I spent a lot of time doing that. Now, when I talk about a lot of time, it was probably about 15 hours a week. So it wasn't like crazy. Um, but now my full focus is on the short-term rental company day to day. All right. So let's bring it back to that then for a second, because I think the cleaning stuff is really interesting. We just chatted with Brian the other week about like how he runs his stuff. And it sounds like my guess is you guys probably just text each other on a daily basis and like, Hey, look at the stop I made. I'm like, Oh, my VA did this. What did your VA do today? Like, am I, am I right about that? 
Nail on the head, 100%. Okay, all right. So so if people want to learn more about the cleaning business, we can dive into that a little bit more too. But like also Brian came out with a pretty good episode a couple ones back. I, I specifically want to like kind of understand a little bit more because I have a feeling people are going to be listening to this here in the beginning. Hey, I want... 100 million short-term rentals, assets under management by 2023. How much do you have today? Oh, none. And now they're going to be like, wait a second. All right, like, like why why do we believe this guy? So you've been planning this out. You've been talking a lot about it. Give me like, I don't know. Give me like the, the end of the year, the six-month playbook on exactly what you're going to do to hit the ground running. Because I want to know, ex- like you said you're launching in November, November 1st? Uh, October. October 18th, we're starting calls. It's a Monday too. Perfect. All right. So October 18th, what, like what, what happens? What the hell are you going to do? And, and just walk me through like step-by-step on what that looks like. A hundred percent. So let me give a bit of context here in my location. I think that that really helps too. So I'm located in a town called Kelowna, British Columbia. Um, I'm 45 minutes away from a ski mountain. I'm 10 minutes away from a beach and in between two different lakes. We have about 222,000 people of a population And we have about 1.9 million tourists coming in per year. So now this is a 365 tourist hotspot nonstop. Now with my cleaning company, we cleaned a lot of these Airbnbs and vacation rentals. And I saw a huge issue in this sector of the industry where these property management companies are managing millions of dollars of real estate. Like the property prices here are ridiculous for single family homes. Um, and short-term rentals, uh, some of the prices are absurd. And um, I saw, and they're running it off an Excel spreadsheet. And I just was like, this is ludicrous. I don't know how some of these guys are landing these ginormous million dollar properties and bringing in this gross, potential gross rental income of like averaging between 40 to $45,000 a month. Um, And I saw an opportunity. Us as the cleaning company, we were literally doing a lot of things for these property managers already where we were um, checking guests in sometimes, we were taking pictures of the property, cleaning them, of course. I mean, we've had things where they've asked to change pool filters. Um, And I just realized, well, if I'm already doing that, why am I not getting paid the same amount as a property manager get paid? Um, And that was sort of my conclusion. So as far as things that were going into the next six months here, um, we did a bit of market research. There's only three other companies here that are doing this. Um, and maybe I'm giving my playbook away here, but there's three other companies here doing this. Um, and then pretty much to start off, we're going to literally be cold emailing, cold calling, and getting your name out there for the first probably month where I've had a virtual assistant put together a list of all the realtors in my city, a list of all the mortgage brokers, all the interior designers, title insurance officer, uh, offices, um, real estate attorneys, things like that. And we'll be fully going into trying to get our name out there. Now, I wish I lived in the US because I could easily go and skip trace everyone and get all their emails and phone numbers. Canada, unfortunately, we have a monopoly over our property data. So it's gonna be a a little bit of a referral type of situation. Um, So that will be the main thing we're gonna be focusing on to begin with. Um, We do have quite a few connections here through cleaning where we potentially could land those listings. I think the largest, and I don't, I'm not trying to make it sound like this is going to be easy. It's going to be a lot of hard work, of course. Um, and is a hundred million dollars in two years, a lot to bite off. Oh, a hundred percent, especially if you haven't landed one. Um, but I think there's a market there to provide some value through just simple automation tools. Um, and I think it's very easy to look better than the rest, um, where we're going to be hitting the pavement running with cold calls and emails and selling ourselves. And I think it'll be pretty not easy, but it'll be um, quick and fast to scale. Are you handling the cleaning as well? Are you going to go to these people and say, Hey, property managers, and we have an in-house kind of cleaning crew. So, you know, we can take care of both sides. Yeah. So that's a great question. So we will be doing that. Now, this is actually a interesting conversation. We don't have to go too much, but um the idea of some of these property managers, some of them cover a lot of the uh, details such as cleaning, pool cleaning, uh, landscaping, that type of stuff. Um, Luckily we have an in-house cleaning service, so that's a good upsell we can do for people. Um, But I'm also not a big fan of combining the two businesses. That's something where I'm trying to battle with right now. So I'm not 100% sure. Is that because like when you combine both, you 
typically have to like discount to some degree in order to get both business or why don't you want to combine them? I'm more worried about a conflict of interest. Um, and the reason is because I know what cleaning is like for some of these people in these high-end homes. And I know the way I don't want a listing that would be affected towards this new business because my cleaning company didn't do a good job. I'm not worried about my cleaning company doing a bad job, but that just is kind of something that you shouldn't have happening, I think. From everyone I've talked to that does any sort of short-term rental management, whether they have one or a hundred units, it always comes down to, it seems like the cleaning and the turnover is the most complicated part. Um, have you, I'm assuming you just have a ton of experience then because you've been doing the cleaning so far. Is there anything specifically that you figure it out, you know, how to make sure that it's done correctly every single time and maybe actually become a repeatable process that other people have been, have been missing, I guess the entire time or can't get down? Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. I was having a conversation with the guy earlier um, and I am under the thought, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of errors happen because you allow the homeowner to make a lot of um, judgment calls and allow them to take control too much. And yes, I understand there, this is a million dollar asset. It's generating a lot of income and a lot of return on a yearly basis. But from what I understand in the cleaning industry um, and what I've been cleaning for a lot of these property managers, when they allow the homeowners to then outsource their own cleaning services or outsource their own landscaping because they want to save $10, that's when issues start to happen. It's better to take control and say to the homeowner, hey, we will mitigate all your pain points here. Just reap the benefit of the return. Um, that's when things happen very smoothly and templated. Can you run me through some of the numbers on what it looks like for a management company, right? Say I'm listing, I don't know, I forgot what you said in terms of the average monthly rate was 40 grand, for example. How does that money flow between the property owner, you and, and everyone else involved? That's a great question. So um, the interesting thing about this industry is you kind of don't have to spend any marketing dollars. You can use channels such as Airbnb and VRBO, of course, but you still get the option to collect 25% on total gross bookings on a weekly, monthly basis. So say, for example, here where I'm located, the average house price is like 829 or 830, something like that. Um, you're looking at probably a night, an average nightly rate of around 1100 to 1200 in that range, maybe 1300 peak season. So if you look at a total month, you're probably thinking around, I'm not going to do public math here, but pro probably around 39,000 to like 42, something like that. I was going to say, I'm, I'm pulling, pulling my calculator right now. I'm trying to like reverse engineer. What does a hundred million in assets under management look like? Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, and I'm sure you've ran this number. If you have a hundred million short-term rentals asset under management, I'm thinking it's like 2.5 million in revenue for you. It's about that. It's probably up there. Yeah. Cause, cause, cause the, yeah. the math I did was essentially you take that hundred million, assume that whoever's buying these short-term rentals wants like a, at least a 10 cap rate. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's, that's the number that might be the biggest variance. And then, so that means that out of all of that, they're making 10 million in revenue, right? Yeah. And then from that, if you're saying that you're taking 25% of their cost, 25% margin between management and cleaning, is that the right amount? Yeah, it's around that. I, right. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if it's two point, but yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the person that listens to this and then builds out an entire model and sends us like a super aggressive email explaining why everything's wrong. Oh yeah, but please, but, uh, please correct everything we just said. Um, so on that, so you're charging 25% of the net revenue coming in on a rental. Yeah. And people are, it seems so high. On the gross revenue coming in. Gross revenue. Oh, sorry. And, and that's standard? That's standard. Yeah. And there's even some companies that are raising up to 30, 35 here. And is that, sorry, and that's just for the management? That's just for management. Damn. Okay. So then, so what's a typical margin then on a short-term rental? Is that like 40%? It's about that. Yeah. It's around that. Wow. It's, I would have I expected it to be much higher, especially for like Airbnbs and Verbos and stuff like that. Well, there's a lot of fees that come involved too. Like it all depends too, is what also what you're including in the services. Like everyone I've also noticed in this industry, everyone has their own different price, like pricing charge. Like some are, 
Some are tacking cleaning services on top. Some aren't char upcharging for cleaning services. Some are doing it on a by service basis, not a percentage. It gets a little ridiculous. In my opinion, the best way to go about it is on a percentage basis where you do a 25 or 30, and then you base it upon the housing um, price. So for example, if you're looking at a, um, I don't know, under under five hundred thousand dollar home these are just rough numbers so under five hundred thousand you're probably going to take maybe a twenty percent if you're looking at a um something that a little higher maybe you take twenty five percent because it involves more um more effort towards ma maintain the asset so things like that this completely changes my opinion then of, of this plan that we were thinking about doing right now so we're, we're currently staying at an airbnb down in austin and then we're paying like thirty five hundred a month or something like that for it we just it's a short-term rental on Airbnb. We got it for like three months. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm looking around and I'm like, Austin's fun. Might want to go and buy like a duplex, a little quad, something like that. A little bit of renovations and then just like rent out the other units. Kind of just do a house hack based on some of the stuff we learned from previous episodes. And first of all, nothing in Austin makes sense uh, financially. It's just everything <laughs> is up 100, 120% year over year. So like that rules that out. But now that I'm hearing that these short-term rentals, I would have figured it was at least like 60% margins or something like that. But like, these are high fees. Like that's, that's more, like, I'm surprised that people are still doing as many short-term rentals when you could be doing long-term rentals and it seems like maybe making even more. So this is my area and that's where it sort of goes into play here. And this is where people kind of get a little angry at me on Twitter when I talk about the numbers about this because it is on a per area basis. Now, the reason it works like this in my area is because the housing prices are ridiculous and it's a tourist hotspot. The average housing single family home, you're looking at over 800,000. I mean, we clean one property. This is like the behemoth of properties we clean um, is just over $17.5 million. So we literally have to send like five people there to do it. Um, and they bring in around $120,000 a month. These people are flying in on jets to stay at this house. So, uh, it's kind of crazy. I think it's on a location basis and that's where the margins get adjusted. I don't know what it's like in Texas, but I know I do know the margins here. At least. I don't know. So it sounds like when we come to visit Canada, you have a place <laughs> lined up for everyone then. 100%. No. All right, we're going to put the Airbnb link in the show notes below. <laughs> um, everyone will also put the GoFundMe link there as well. So feel free to go and donate and then we'll have a little next gen retreat over there. Um, you've been talking a lot about automation and, and, and the tech behind it and getting all that lined up. Do you have a tech stack like in play? And what does that software actually look like in terms of, you know, auto scheduling and, and what does the back end kind of look like right now? And where do you think some of the struggles might arise? 100%. So this is where it kind of blew my mind. Um, and I love automation. I love templating things. And I love trying to figure out how much less work I can do with collecting the same amount of money. Um, and I sort of had an understanding of this industry, but when I first started setting up these calls with these um, software platforms like Hostfully, Logify, um, and a bunch of other ones, um, I really, when I got on the phone with them, I really started to understand how much of a no brainer it was for me to get in this industry. Um, we use a tech stack, we use Hostfully, um, I mean like ones like Slack, and then simply Gmail and Monday.com, that is it. Everything else is automated through Hostfully. Um, it syncs up all channels so we can list a property on Airbnb, VRBO, Booking.com, Expedia. It syncs up all the bookings so we don't have to scramble around trying to scramble double bookings or schedules. Um, it collects all revenue through there. Depending if you go through Airbnb, they do it themselves or VRBO, you have to do like Stripe and that type of stuff. Um, it does financial forecasting for people so people can then log on. Um, I don't, I'm not gonna try to sound like a sales guy for the product here, but um, literally it does everything in temp templates at all. Um, this is where, when I saw that, I was in shock about how these other property management companies are running their business. When they're running them off of Excel, you can run something like this, hire a virtual assistant to manage everything in the back end. And yes, I'm sure it's more complicated than just putting someone at a computer to do some things. Um, but if you had that and then you had maybe someone out there on the ground running maintenance, doing things and pay, you pay them very, very well because the numbers work out well, um, you can scale this thing very, very quickly and very to some high revenue numbers. I think you could go as an investment thesis and find any business that's run on Excel and just go into the industry and probably just crush everyone. Even like Connor and I obviously been diving into the storage stuff and it's 
wild what we can do with the software we've been implementing compared to what someone's essentially was doing as like a full-time job also before like we just dug out out of this their main office before which we're turning into another unit to rent out we dug out like a massive whiteboard and we're like what what is this whiteboard and we're looking at it and we're like oh my god they were tracking rents on a whiteboard i was like somebody brushes into this thing and you lose six months worth of data like that it's not, not even excel it was a handwritten excel that's horrible yeah well it's i mean your thesis is probably right like i did it with cleaning pretty much I mean, I literally just got Jobber, which is just, I mean, it's not really the craziest software. And I got two virtual assistants and I just sort of put them in place and I made some checklists and some Loom videos um, and we went on our way. Yeah, I think it's like that with a bunch of different industries. It's kind of crazy. Once you have enough experience looking at how to operate these, clean them and kind of get that whole strategy down, are you going to start buying any short-term rentals? So that's, that's the big goal. Um, I think the hundred million is a stretch and I think it's an awesome goal to have. Um, and it does sound crazy not having any under the belt, but I think the long, long term is starting to then allocate capital into purchasing our own short-term rentals, whether it's, um, single family homes, condo units, whatever it may be. I think that's the road to go to then really, um, level up in wealth creation for sure. Cause at that point you'll have a really good understanding of the margins, exactly what it costs to operate. You'll probably have rentals in the neighborhood already. So you'll know exactly what, what you can expect from revenue side. And I've always been impressed by, um, I don't know, some of the data out there as well. You can like air DNA, air DNA, and then other websites that you can just figure out again, I don't really know how accurate they are, but it's cool to kind of dive in there and you could, you know, target the area. It seems like a great combination between both businesses. Oh, 100%. No, I, I'm a, I, I think it's a great sort of stepping stone into things. Um, here in this area in Canada, I'll, we receive a lot of foreign investment. Um, and whether it's over from Asia, wherever it may be, um, we have a lot of foreigners coming in and buying up a lot of properties right now because property prices are um, and rental prices are going very, very high. And uh, there seems to be a need for these management companies to be able to manage those properties for people that are overseas and things like that. So um, it's a great, it's a great way. And I think a lot of these foreign buyers, they need to allocate their capital somehow. And if someone can manage it and do that for them, whether you partner with them, raise funds through them, buy your own, um, that's sort of my thought process. With that, so. And for anyone listening, I feel like unless it's not fully clear what you're doing, like it's pretty smart where you're creating a funnel of essentially something that takes the least amount of capital and connections required, like a cleaning business, right? Like I, maybe I'm overstating here, but after talking to Brian, like how much did you throw in to start your cleaning business? We put in $3,000 each. Okay. Oh, sorry, your, my, the cleaning business, my fault. The yeah. cleaning business, it took me a thousand bucks. Right, okay, yeah, so so <laughs> coming out of college, you got a thousand bucks on the bank account, cool, grab a bucket, grab a mop. I'm not gonna finish the lyric, but um, anyway, <laughs> then you go, you get to work and you start making some money and now you're at a point where you're making 50K months, right? Um, mm -hmm. in, in terms of gross income. Now you've got the connections, right? You, you're starting to get a lot of money in the bank. You're starting to slowly fill it up. And now you're gonna go and say, great, all of these connections for these short-term rentals that I've got, now I they know me, they know that I can do a good job cleaning. Maybe they think that I can go do a good job managing as well. And so now you kind of have a warm lead in that funnel and now you're managing their property. And then ultimately you get to the point now where you're cash flowing significantly. You've got, you know, you know what a good deal looks like because you've been managing all of them. You know exactly the connections that can go and turn, you know, a rundown house into a high quality Airbnb listing or Verbo listing, whatever. And now you're gonna go and start buying it. Like the, if, in case people aren't realizing this, like you're creating a funnel that takes less and less connections, or sorry, that takes more and more money and connections towards the bottom of the funnel, which should ultimately just make you even more. Well, I feel like the final one there that was also gonna be when they realize how well you manage your listing and then they're like, hey, here's a hundred million dollars to go out buy short-term mm -hmm. rental facilities all across the country, right? You can keep oh, going up from one of the you know cheapest ways to start and then getting into a hugely expensive industry without needing a ton of capital. 100%, I mean, I love these industries where you need barely any capital to get started in. I mean, exactly, like you hit the nail on the head there. It, this That's exactly what I'm doing. Um, a thousand of us started the cleaning company and then, I mean, 3000 to start this short-term rental company. I mean, that's like for the potential to net 25% on an average of 40 to 45. I mean, 
Yes. No, are we going to have every property that's grossing 40, 45? Probably not, not in the beginning, but over time, that's the goal. Um, I think it's a no brainer in my opinion. So one thing I wanted to ask about now is something that I said the other day that I think you would probably do a hard disagree with me on. Um, where I tweeted out the other day, I said, Hey, like, listen, my investment thesis, make money online, invest money offline, right? So make money online, content websites, e-commerce stores, all of that kind of stuff, like find ways to go and scale quickly because the internet literally gives you access to billions of yep. customers like instantly. And then you take that money and then you invest it into hard assets. So real estate, um, if you want to go and do like invest into SMBs or something like that, like that's a potential, but like you're not actually operating them. But mostly, mostly real estate, I think would probably be the, the sum of mm -hmm. that. You're doing almost the exact opposite of that. So you're, you're making money in the real world, uh, in real life. And then this, this will get into a later conversation too, but then you're investing, it seems like a, into a lot of crypto stuff, specifically NFTs that you're hoping to appreciate, or, or I don't know what your strategy is with that really, but like, um, would you, would you disagree with me pretty heavily or do you just think it just depends on your preference? Um, it's a great topic because I have, it's kind of funny. My, my mindset changed this past year. I went down like probably every entrepreneur. I went down the Naval rabbit hole um, and I started understanding different forms of leverage, um, different forms of as far as just uh, life being linear, things like that. And I, and I started just sort of going through my head as far as I'm a firm believer that there's easier routes in life and harder routes in life, especially when it comes to business. And I think the um, this is going to totally contradict what I'm doing, but I think the route of making income online and then investing in real estate is probably the path of least resistance, in my opinion. Um, I am hoping to potentially build out some sort of media arm in that realm to expose myself to doing something like that. Um, but for right now, yes, I'm just staying in the real world and just investing in uh, physical assets. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the only counterpoint to that, though, is as soon as something becomes like really sexy of start an online company, that's what everyone wants to do. And then it does oftentimes, I think, open up, you know, a gap in the market for most people when they graduate college don't want to start a cleaning company. Right. But <laughs> but if you if you have the, the grit to go and do that, then there's probably an opportunity there. Whereas if you go and try and, you know, make money the same way everyone else is making money online, it becomes potentially a bit more difficult. But yeah, in, in general, it makes sense. And just to kind of go off that a little bit more, like you are doing the, you are making money online. In August, you made $7,510 yeah. just from consulting through Twitter on how to go and start a, you know, cleaning business, right? So like, like you are, you are going down that path. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying you're not, it's just the, the, the core business, the core fundamental stuff that I see you talking about a lot is the opposite of what I've done. So I'm curious where you're, where you're, uh, head's been at in terms of what's easier and if you think you went down the right way? It's something I battle with a lot. I'm not going to lie. Um, and it's definitely something I've battled with recently because I have made a course. I'm starting to sell a course now for cleaning. Um, and it's something where I sort of think to myself, what if I just did this like two years ago? Um, and I, it definitely runs my mind a lot. Um, I think I wouldn't change the path I've gone down. I've learned a ton I've learned a lot and I'm not trying to justify um, going down a harder route for that reason, but um, I think I'm happy. I've understood a lot about organizing labor. I've understood a lot about um, what it's like to manage a lot of people, a lot of different schedules uh, with customer service and things like that. So I'm happy I went down that route. Um, but I 100% think one thing that I'm really trying to focus on here is building out a media arm to maybe really utilize that other form of path of least resistance for doing that. On the topic of online money, cartoon profile pictures. What's the story <laughs> behind that? Uh, I was, yeah, that, it's a great question. So I, I have a theory behind NFTs and everyone please take my NFT with a grain of salt. Like, sorry, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt one more yeah. time. I just know that on Twitter, NFT is a very fuzzy word right now. Like, again, most people who listen to this, I don't know if all of them are from Twitter or what, but like, give, it, give a little bit more background here too. Yeah, so NFTs, non-fungible tokens. I'm not claiming to be an expert here either, but basically it's just digital art. It's like if you were to have the Mo 
the Mona Lisa in an art gallery, I guess that's the uh, way to put it. Um, it's basically having a non-fungible token, a picture on a blockchain showing that you're owner of that piece of art. Um, now, is the art as nice as the Mona Lisa? <laughs> Probably not. Um, it's I had I had a picture of a monkey with laser eyes as my profile picture, um, but I was um, I'm a firm believer in trying things and just learning. Um, no matter what it is, I don't think you need to be perfect at everything you start doing. And I think that's where a lot of issues happen with people um, and get held back behind, get held behind in some stuff where I was just interested in DeFi. I was interested in crypto. I was interested in NFTs. I said, hey, what's a thousand bucks? I'm going to go, I'm going to try to buy this little cartoon monkey um, and just see what it's like to purchase a NFT, go through OpenSea. And I just sort of was goofing around on it. Um, I looked at it in my personal budget as like, I'm going to like a movie or something. It was just a very expensive movie. <laughs> so a very expensive movie. It's like, it was, hey, it's like, hey, we're renting out the movie theater kind of movie. <laughs> it was like, it was just a form of entertainment for me. So that is as maybe nerdy or as lame that sounds. It was kind of just a form of entertainment. Um, and I ended up buying, I have about six now. Um, do I expect to become a millionaire off of it? No, I'm probably, I'm losing money, but it's okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So that, that was actually my, my two back to back questions. So first one is going to be one, what did you learn out of it? You did this for a learning experience. So did you learn anything or is it mostly just like, Hey, I learned how to buy something on OpenSea. And the second question is, I guess was going to be, did you make money? But it sounds like you might've, might've gone down the drain on some of the JPEGs. It's funny. I still own them. So I get offers on them. Um, so I haven't fully cashed out yet, but I don't foresee myself making any money. Um, as far as what I've learned, I would say is I think the biggest thing is like what I sort of opened up with on this subtopic is like, I think it's just good for everyone to go and try things. And I think the crypto and the NFT space really gives a bad backlash. And like I said, I'm by no means an expert on the space. Um, but I think it's good for people just to go and read about it and learn more and understand what it's all about. Um, do I know what the future holds for it? No, I have no idea. I would be a crazy person to saying like, I know what's going to happen with Bitcoin or I know what's going to happen with Ethereum. Like I have no idea. Um, but I think it's good to look into and understand what's going on, how the transaction process works and just gain knowledge and try to gain some understanding of what's happening in life and the financial industry. Is that something you think you want to kind of stay involved with? Was it a, you know, one-time thing and maybe just kind of keep reading about it or what, what's your thought, I guess, as, as things keep progressing? I think I'll stay involved. I'm heavily, I have about, I think it's about 20% of my portfolio into Bitcoin and Ethereum. So into crypto. So I sort of have to stay involved now. Um, so I'm obligated on that point, but as far as the NFTs, I've sort of dropped off. I'm not, I don't have too much interest in those right now. Um, I definitely, I've read quite a few articles as far as the future of what holds for them, things like that. That's all interesting stuff. I, um, people should definitely dive down that rabbit hole, but crypto, I definitely will be staying on, on board reading more for sure. What can you give like, just like literally the 30 second preamble of like, what is the future for them? Cause like, I think I've seen some stuff come out lately about like, Hey, you can get like your own table reservation at this restaurant. I think Gary Vee is trying to do some of that kind of stuff, but like, what else? Like, is it? What beyond just these this art stuff? Yeah, I, I think I think the coolest part about it is literally just the transparency part about it. Um, I, I think the uh, I think it's exactly what you said. It's literally like a situation where you could potentially reserve a table at a web um, restaurant, things like that, or you could simply show ownership of maybe you own a hard asset or things like that, where you can show reference to. Hey, I don't need to, in case my house burns down, I don't need to have a reference of a deed. I can have it on the blockchain. Um, things like that. Those are what, what's kind of sparks my interest. Um, I'm not down the rabbit hole too deep where I'm like, oh my God, NFTs are like everything now. Every single piece of property I own is going to be an NFT or something. But um, I think there's some cool uh, areas that, or avenues rather, um, that can go down, that can be cool. So. That's cool. Yeah, I definitely have to do my own homework a little bit more, I think. Um, one more like more personal, less business like question. Uh, I feel like we're very similar in the sense that like, I don't know, I like thinking about business a lot. I like thinking about money a lot. Like it's just something that is fun for me and, and interesting. And the other day um, you tweeted out basically saying like, 
hey, I plan to like move out of my parents' place once I have a million in real estate and 100K liquid in stocks um, and a good base in my uh, life insurance. I think that's what you said. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, um, how do I want to phrase it? Like, do you feel like a you feel like maybe like you're missing out by focusing on all the money side versus like more like fun, glamorous side of just like being in your twenties and fucking around, like living in a city or something like that. Or do you think, Hey, you know, like I've got my shit together right now. I'm happy where I'm at. I'm having a lot of fun and like come time in my thirties, like I'll be ahead of most everyone else. And so I should be good to go there. Like what's, I don't like, does that question make sense? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it you're, you, you're asking a lot of great questions that are making like me, you're hitting on all the points of which I literally sit around thinking about a lot. So, um, so to, as for some transparency, I I have moved out of my parents' house, so I didn't fall through on what that tweet is. Now, so, now, am, now, now I'm doing bad research out here. What is this tweet? Uh, July or something? <laughs> no, I, I don't know how long ago that was. Probably a, a long ago tweet. It might have been, um, or it would have been just before. Until I, it was a very spontaneous, sporadic decision. I decided to do it. Um, and it wasn't for any reason. It was just, well, I guess it was a reason. It was, um, I was starting to weigh the opportunity costs and I started to look at things such as my income, how much is it going to cost for me to live by myself, things like that. And it was kind of a no brainer at that point. Um, I was probably saving what a thousand dollars a month. I mean, I think I couldn't spend that. Um, I think it would have been a different situation if I didn't own the condo I'm living in. So I own the um, one bedroom condo I'm living in right now. Now, if I had to go out there and rent, I think that would be a totally different subject that I honestly would tell people, like just save up and buy your own place, literally, and then move out. Um, and that's a large debate, the, the uh, leasing versus buying discussion. But um, that's, what, that's what I would say. I mean, it's something where I pivoted and I just sort of said opportunity cost wise, it makes more sense to live by myself. I'm 25 years old, turning 26 soon. I want to have some fun. Um, I love my parents to death. They've given me crazy, crazy amounts of opportunity in my life. Um, but it's just, I mean, I'm sure you guys know. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I feel like you can you can overanalyze the opportunity cost of it all day long. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think there's two questions you have to ask yourself. It's like, hey, is the money that I'd be giving up today to go and rent or do whatever else going to matter that much in five years time? If you want to really bet on yourself and think that it's not going to, then it doesn't matter. And the other part of it is really just like, hey, like you can make an argument that it doesn't make sense to do it or it does whatever. At the end of the day, like you really can't make much of a uh, quantitative argument over just the emotional freedom of like being like, hey, I'm gonna move to a new city. I'm gonna go and get a three, four month lease at an Airbnb here, fuck around, have fun, go out, drink on the weekends, party, like work on my own stuff, like on my own time. Like that's the stuff you really can't quantify. And so that's that's mostly why I was curious um, where your head was at there. No, 100%, it's, it's, it's a weird one. Yeah, I, I sat a lot thinking about it and I initially was happy I was living there. I was initially happy I was saving money. And then over time, I, yeah, I just decided to make the jump. I, I'm very happy where I am now. So. So you have very specific short-term goals. Mm -hmm. You have anything in the longer realm, 10, 15, 20 year goals of, you know, whether that's monetary goals or lifestyle goals or anything specific revolving around where you see yourself longer term. Um, I had a mentor at my old uh, company that I was pretty close with. I looked up to him quite a bit, obviously. Um, and he was about 30, 31. Um, and I saw the way he was living um, in his life. And um, it was something that I looked up to quite a bit. He had two very nice homes, things like that. Um, I think it's kind of a uh, nuanced answer, but um, that's where I sort of envision myself in the coming years. I'm not someone to go and like, be like, oh, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna, I don't know. I'm gonna be the richest guy in my city in like 10 or 15 years. Like I'm very, um, I'm very much so in like five, five year increments, 10 year increments with some milestones. Um, I'm not too far in my life as far as thinking. No, I think that's, I think that's well said. I think, and also like when, when Danny Miranda was on this podcast, like he always talks a lot about how like, if you always like, it's good to have a goal. It's good to know where you want to go, but like obsessing over that kind of defeats the entire purpose. 
uh, to some degree. Like you look back and you realize, hey, the most fun time was the journey and like trying to figure shit out and get there. And like any, like look at any good thing that you've ever done in your life and you'll quickly realize like, cool, one that like that one that sports tournament or whatever like that right like you're, you played the cross like you guys you yeah. guys won a championship or whatever say you did that like you're like yeah you remember that because it's kind of like the easy thing to bring up in conversation but you also remember all of your teammates and you remember the two days and you remember like the running like laps after you guys lost that one team or whatever like like those are the kind of things that i feel like you kind of like almost enjoy nostalgically looking back and so kind of enjoying the journey a little bit more instead of just that end destination is really important well, hundred percent. I mean, to give you an idea, I have, a, I have a whiteboard here in my living room. I mean, uh, before end of this year, then into 2022, um, five mil asset under management for my company. Um, then I have some media stuff here, like 10 K Twitter followers. We're growing a community on the discord. So we want 10 K members on there. Um, and then into next year, uh, hopefully a hundred million. Um, I'm thinking quick that, ramp. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, yo, put uh, just my two cents. Um, put those publicly. If you go to like Connors.blog slash goals, you can see all my public goals for this year. And oh. personally, I find that uh, the only reason I put mine up is because I want to see other people's. Um, and so I find that like the old Nelson Mandela quote of like, "Be the change you want to see in the world." Like, if I start doing that that kind of shit, I bet you other people will like it enough. And I've gotten so many compliments where they're like, "Oh wow, like I like seeing that like you're throwing this stuff out there." Am I gonna hit it all? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but like either way, I've gotten way more people reaching out to me just about that in general. So I don't know if you got a website or not, but go, go put that stuff publicly. People will like it. Social accountability, man. Gotta love it. It's perfect. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, either way, man, I think that wraps things up. I think I answered a lot of the questions I had prepped here. Um, the big thing that I have left here at the bottom is, uh, I'll send you a calendar invite for like two years from now to get you back on the podcast. And like, I just hope that's a little bit of inspiration um to go and and get this hundred million dollars in assets under management because like you said it you threw it out there in the universe and now like you have to go make it happen so uh we'll we'll record that episode two years from today i love it awesome well thanks for having me on i appreciate yeah, it absolutely uh quick do you want to pitch kind of some of the stuff you're running websites yeah. twitter accounts discord groups courses what do you got going on yeah i appreciate it um so at liam kircher l-i-a-m-k-i-r-c-h-e-r um, on Twitter, that's I'm pretty much only on Twitter. I'm not on Instagram or anything like that. Um, as far as Discord community, we have just under 1,500 members right now. It's called Young Bootstrappers. We're trying to get to 10K um, by the end of the year. We want to do that. So go into that community. We have like anyone, e-commerce, digital marketing, um, literally everything, SMB, real estate investor, short-term rentals. That's a good one. Um, so go join that. Um, and then also, if you're interested in cleaning, um, I do have a cleaning company course. Um, it's in the link in my bio on my link tree. So go check that out. Um, it's pretty cheap and it's unlimited access. So, but that is it for plugs. I love it. Thanks for coming on. Awesome. Thanks, boys.